0: This is Jesus' last words to the Jews until the Gentiles are all brought in and then he's going to deal with the Jews. Last words to them before he goes to the cross and before he goes to the crucifixion. So this is Jesus' farewell to the Jews and to Jerusalem, really his farewell to a nation for a period of time. And he uses these four words in the ESV. You were not willing. You were not willing. And I pray that over the next couple of weeks that if there's anybody here that's been in such an obstinate state that they weren't willing to repent and become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ before it's eternally late, too late, that they might be made willing by the grace of God and by His Word and by His Spirit to become followers of Jesus. That would be my prayer. So let me read those verses again. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Verse 38. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we have looked at Matthew 23. We began by paying attention to this this uh, chapter. And what we were told up front in the first 13 verses uh, when when blind guides or religious leaders teach you the right doctrine, pay attention to them. But if they're not living the right life out of that doctrine, don't follow their example. And so we kind of looked at that. What you want to find is somebody that preaches the right doctrine, amen, and the doctrine that they're preaching leads them to live a changed life. I'll read a quote next week about... Uh, about how many blind guides there are in the church today. Do you hear me? How many blind guides that there are in the modern church today? We'll look at that next week. Then we looked at eight woes. And these eight eight woes were bringing to our attention the blindness of religious leaders. And not only that they were blind, but they were hypocritical in what they taught in relations to how they lived their life. They were not only blind, but they were... Hypocrites. Then in the last five, six verses, beginning last week, he prophesies about the destruction of Jerusalem. And we're going to get into that in chapter 24 and chapter 25. We're going to get into the Olivet Discord. We're going to look at not only the destruction of Jerusalem, but even the end times. We'll begin to look at that. So what we're seeing here in the first uh, thirty-three verses of this chapter are the charges that the Lord Jesus uh, levels against the teachers of the Jews at that time. And, and don't you think that in America today, in modern evangelical life today, that there's lots of charges that could be brought against preachers and teachers of God's Word. So, this was, this was for Jesus' day, but it carries forward to, to when Christ returns. We're always going to have to deal with, inside the church, false teachers. So it's a solemn lesson that we're being taught. That even in the church, there can be hypocritical and mean-spirited preachers and teachers. Even in the church, mean-spirited members. So today... Today, the most spiritually beloved city, the the city of Jerusalem, the spiritual hub of the Jewish nation, it's a privileged city. It had every opportunity to follow Christ. And Jerusalem today is going to be deserted by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He's leaving them. And this city will be ravaged it will be ravaged, torn down, and not one stone will be left upon top of another stone. Are you with me? Jerusalem is about to be destroyed, it's about to be leveled. And that's what we're talking about. And this place will never be ev- visited again by Christ or his, or his Spirit until that day when all the Gentiles are brought back, are brought into the kingdom. And again, Jesus will visit the Jewish people. He's leaving them until then. So today, Christ's concern, we're looking at five things. We're looking at Christ's concern. He was concerned about Jerusalem. Secondly, we'll see that Christ had compassion upon these people. He was concerned. That concern led to compassion. Then we're going to see that Christ conceals Himself. He hides himself from these people for a time. We don't want to get to that spot. And then we'll get to the place that we see that Christ is going to bring this all to a conclusion. And then the last thing we'll look at is why all this happened. Why did it all happen? It happened for one reason. Four little words. You were not willing. You were not willing to heed the teaching of the prophets. You were not willing to see Christ when He came. You were not willing to repent. You were not willing to become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just like the judges from the Old Testament, finally there comes a place of punishment. There comes a place that God calls His people to account. And that's a word for us today. We'll all stand before God in judgment someday. So verse 37... O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. That's the problem. That's still the problem today. People are not willing to give up their sinful life and repent and follow Jesus. It's still that way today. Verse 38, see, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So first of all, I want you to see the genuine concern that Jesus had for Jerusalem. How do we know he was genuine? What did he say? He said those two words twice. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem the sit- listen how condemning and and i'll just be honest with you as as i studied this this week I, every time i every time i came to this i just came to thinking about america i think america's been favored i think it's been highly favored of god And we have absolutely squandered the opportunity we had as a country to lead the world in holiness and godliness and following Jesus. And just like there came a day for Jerusalem, there'll come a day for America. And just like the Jews who were followers of Jesus had to endure the destruction of Jerusalem, so may we have to endure the punishment of America. That day may be rapidly upon us. So the the doubling of the word shows the urgency and how affectionate he looked upon the city of Jerusalem. The Jewish people, he looked upon them with great affection. Even the ones, and we've looked at it for how many weeks now, the ones that have killed and stoned the prophets, they've... Killed and stoned righteous people from Abel to Zechariah. And they continue to kill the spokespersons of God. Nehemiah 9, 26 and 27 says this. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and kill your prophets. Who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore you gave them into the hand of their enemies. Who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering they cried out to you. And you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies you, have, you gave them saviors. Who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Is that not the cycle that we went through with all the judges? Y'all remember? Remember? We studied it in Bible study. We had uh, sin, and sin is always uh, disobedience or rebellion to God's teaching or God's word. Then we had punishment. Then we had repentance. And then we had godly leaders that came forth and brought them to repentance. And we had restoration. So all of this was a mission. God does things to bring people to what? To repentance. He does things to people to get them to repent and turn to God. That's what happened with the judges. That's what's happening in our lives today. Just think about your life. God is, is, he has a purpose in our life. And before you become a follower of Jesus, His purpose is to get you to the place that you're made willing. And then once you become a follower of Jesus, His purpose is for you to live for His glory, for His honor. And He knows how to work in each one of us to get us to that place. And it's my prayer. And I, I pray that it would you, be your prayer as followers of your, Lord Jesus Christ that you pray that all of those who are not willing that here come here every Sunday or hear this preaching would be made willing to be followers of Jesus. So, He was concerned for Jerusalem. And concern ought to lead to Compassion, and it does. He had compassion upon Jerusalem. Now, we do not live in an agrarian society. And not everybody has yard birds like Russ and Susie. Okay? And not everybody has yard birds like Russ and Susie now. But back in the day, everybody had yard birds. Right? And if you have yard birds, every now and then you're going to have a hen okay, that gets into this brooding mode and she's going to go off and find a spot that she can lay and hide her eggs so she can sit on those eggs and have little ones, right? So everybody knew what Jesus was talking about. He knew, they knew what he was talking about by hen gathering the chicks under her wings. I seemed into my mind's eye, I seemed to remembering one time Somewhere, I don't think it was at my house, because we always had commercial chickens, and if you have commercial chickens, you can't have yard birds because you might get infection uh, in, in the. I was somewhere at a gra- grandma's sister or somewhere. Seems like I remember one time in my life of seeing a mama hen. Gathering her little ones to her. I don't know if it was coming a storm or the hawk was flying over, but she gathers those little bitty chicks in under her wing. And she protects them. She protects them from the elements. Or she protects them from the hawk that might get them. This is this is imagery that these people would have understood. And God had that kind of concern to gather the people, the Jews, the the people of Jerusalem, the nation of, Jer- the nation of Israel, he had that desire to gather them to him. He was really concerned about them. You know what he says? And if you would come, you would be safer under me than the chicks were under the mama's wings. Listen, there's great protection being under the protective care of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really unimaginable how he protects us, how he watches over us. But these little words here at the end of verse 37, and and I wonder, young people, I wonder about some adults, is, is this speaking of you? You were not willing... You were not willing to say or humble yourself that I need that kind of protection or I need a Savior, or not willing to give up going your own way or whatever the case might be. Could this be speaking to some of us? So instead of heeding the call, what did Jerusalem do? Listen to this they killed and mistreated the prophets, they intentionally rejected the Lord and they were perverse and obstinate that's what happens and guess how much obstinate how much more obstinate you get i believe that every day that a person gets older and again rejects the call to believe in christ the more obstinate they're likely to get so he was concerned and he was compassionate look at verse 38 see Your house is left to you desolate. I always think about, when I come to a teaching like this, I always think about that scripture. I believe it's Genesis chapter 6, maybe verse 6, right in there. And and this this is what it says in Genesis. Listen to me carefully. There's no guarantee that the Lord will always deal with you. He is not obligated to keep dealing with you there's going to be a day when He's going to leave you and never visit you again. Just like this was the last day that He spoke to the Jews before He went to the cross, before He ascended, and until He comes back again, the last day. So, don't think that you can just pick and choose when you decide to follow Jesus. When He's dealing with you, is the day you need to run to Jesus. So, We see Jesus' concealment. See, your house is left to you desolate. Your house, your temple, your city, the nation will be empty and devoid of spiritual things. What a terrible place for a person or a church or a nation to be where God is not among them anymore. And I don't know if... Jerusalem was near as bold in asking God to leave that place as America has been bold in asking God to leave America alone. Empty. Listen. Jerusalem was about to be emptied of its divine inhabitant. Jesus, gone from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jesus has left them. They will be burned down, razed, and left in in inhabitable. In, in Jeannie'd have to help me on that word, getting it right. She works with me occasionally on words, but not always does she have a chance. So Jesus has concealed himself from Jerusalem. Now look at verse 39. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is saying, you'll see me no more in public as a teacher and a preacher. So just last week as we looked at verse 33, you remember what verse 33? He said, "To Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? You remember their opportunity to repent as religious leaders was gone? Well, today, in this scripture, the opportunity for Jerusalem to repent is no more. He's left them. Now, listen to me individually, you don't want to get to that place that you never again have an opportunity to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has departed from Jerusalem. Now, I want you to see the conclusion to this Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, as I was thinking through these five C's and I thought about conclusion, I thought about the seventh C of history, the consummation. The consummation that Christ is going to come and bring things to the conclusion that He wants it to be. It's going to happen. That day is still to come. You remember when He came into Jerusalem? You remember all those words from Matthew 21, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and all the celebration. Well, there's going to be another one of those days when Christ returns. All of us, blessed, blessed are those who sing Hosanna and wait for the approaching of the Lord. That day is coming. After his resurrection. Now, he was there. He went to the cross. He died. He was resurrected. He spent 40 days here. But listen to me. He was seen by only a few people. Now 500 at one time that's a bunch of people but he did not make a public he didn't show himself publicly like he had before. So the Jews were not going to see him again. Just some of his closest followers were going to see him. Listen, there will be a time of restitution for all things. Did y'all hear me? Restitution. There's going to be a time in which all things pertaining to the Lord are brought to an account. Now when his welcome at his first coming will be repeated is when he comes back again. Are we going to be celebrating on that day? Will people who have been looking for the return of the Lord, is it going to be a glorious day? It is. But what about those who have never believed in Christ, who haven't looked forward to his return? What about those people? Christ will not be seen again till he comes in the clouds. And guess who will see him then? Every eye will see Him. Every eye will see Him. Listen to Revelation 1, 7. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Listen to this. Even those who pierced Him, even those who rejected Him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Those people had an opportunity and when he comes back and every eye sees him, let me tell you, at that point in time, they're going to wish that they had been willing to become a follower of Jesus. Then those who rejected and pierced him, are you all listening closely? At that moment, they would, they would be glad to be among his adorers. It's too late. Then every knee shall bow to him. Do you hear me? Even those knees that had bowed to Baal will have a desire. Let me do it now, Lord. But it'll be too late. The workers of iniquity will then cry, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And he'll look at them and say, away from me, you you evildoers. I never knew you. Oh, it's going to be a glorious day for us, us that are followers of Jesus, that believe in Jesus. But it's going to be an awful day for those during that dispensation in which they could have come to Jesus. They were not willing. It'll be an awful day. And let me tell you, it's, there's some realities about hell that I don't even like to think about. <clears throat> but let me tell you, this, this is how it's going to be on that day. That day that people who are called to account who were never, never willing, every message, every, every preacher that ever begged them to become a follower of Jesus... That will be just like a a recording going over in their, their mind. They'll hear it over and over again. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Begging you to come to Jesus. But they never were willing. When God's wrath is hot. Did you hear me? The wrath of God. We sing that song. The wrath of God was what? Satisfied. And it's only satisfied by the blood and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ when it's applied to us when we become repenters and believers. But those that have not been willing will suffer the hot wrath of God at that time. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one that looks forward to the coming of the Lord. Hey! Hey! I I listened to a great message coming back uh, yesterday uh, about the Mark of the Beast, and it it was really, really, really good. And uh, it's so good that uh, this guy's in the UK, and uh, I'm talking about a top-notch preacher. It's so good and so straightforward. As of this morning, it only had 370 hits. Are you all with me? Not many people want to hear the truth. Most people want their their ears tickled and everything sugar-coated. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the best news I could ever tell you. If you're living in known and willful sin, repent and turn to God for forgiveness and put your faith, hope, and love, and trust, and confidence in Christ. Today. Psalm 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. Well, when when the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, listen to this mektark, until I make your enemies your footstool. There's going to be the, the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ will come back and have command of all His enemies. That day's coming. So what caused all of these actions of the Lord Jesus Christ? What 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 finally brought this upon the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem, was it they killed one more prophet, they killed another prophet? No. Here's what the cause was: You would not come. You were not willing to repent and to come to me for forgiveness and to be taught and instructed. That was the cause. We see Christ's concern. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it. So Jesus was concerned for Jerusalem. We see Christ's compassion. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. He had great compassion upon the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem. We see Christ's concealment. Verse 38. Listen to this. See, your house is left to you what? Desolate. My house needs to be full. Your house needs to be full of the Spirit of Almighty God. Hey, listen. The last thing an individual wants, the last thing that a nation wants. Are you listening to me? The last thing you want it's for God to leave you alone. I beg of the Lord. Not every morning. I'm not in the same routine every morning. But I, I beg the Lord, before I leave you, before I turn away from you, you take me out of here. Don't leave me. Don't leave me to myself. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say. So we see Christ's conclusion. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hey, listen. It's all going to end just the way the Bible says it's going to end. I, I don't have the day. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ doesn't even have the day. Amen. Only the Lord knows the day. I know we're closer today than we were the day that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. Much closer. I know we got to be ready. But but the cause again. You were not willing. Y'all get me? Over and over and over and over again throughout eternity, those words will ring to those who were not willing. The words of Jesus... You were not willing. You were not willing. You were not willing. So, what causes a lost person to be lost? What causes a lost person to be lost? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it. How often would I gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate for I tell you you will not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's something here that I want us to take a close look at. This sheds some light on a mystery and that mystery is why? Is a lost person lost? Or what causes a person to be lost? It surely shows that Christ, listen, Christ is who? He is God come in the flesh. He has pity and mercy upon those that are not saved. If He didn't have pity and mercy upon those that are not saved, none of us would be saved. None of us would be saved. We also see in this passage that a person's ruin is this. Are you with me? What really ruins a person is you are not willing. Even though by their nature they have no ability to turn in faith to God and to call upon Him for salvation, they have a great ability... To ruin their own souls. No one can give to themselves the will to repent and believe. No one can come to the Father except He's drawn by me. It says it over and over again. It says it twice in John the 6th chapter. No one can give themselves the will to repent and believe. But everyone by the nature that they got from Adam has the will to reject Christ and to have their own way. Now, we all know that. We could all raise our hand, because we at that one time, that's us. We rejected Christ, and we went our own way. We know we can do that. Amen? But John 1.13 says, We are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But, listen, But if at last a person is not saved, it is, it is because they were not willing to repent and come to Jesus. Listen carefully now. John 5, 40 says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. What can a person do? They can refuse to come to him. Let us conclude today with this thought. With Christ, nothing is impossible. Amen, nothing is impossible. The hardest heart can be weighed, the hardest heart can be made willing in the day of His power. Right here's one. Are there others? Are there other hearts that were made willing by the Lord Himself and by His grace and His mercy? The hardest heart was made willing. My heart, your heart, was made willing. Let me read Philippians 2.13 to you. As a matter of fact, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and while you're turning there, I want to read a Philippians 2.13. You're going to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to read Philippians 2.13. <clears throat> Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will, And to work for His good pleasure. So it's God that works where? In you to make you willing to come. Amen? And who gets the glory for that? All right, listen to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I'll read slowly so Pablo can keep up. Now, I want you... Let me say... Two and three is going to, without a doubt, show you that this is speaking to every one of us. But I want you to hear this closely. This was every one of us at some point in our life. Are you with me? This is absolutely, nobody's exempted from this. Listen closely. And you, and we can all say me, and you were dead in trespasses and sin. And and dead in trespasses and sin means you have sinned, you have willfully sinned, you have been separated from God, and spiritually you have no life in you. Dead. In the trespasses and sin, listen to verse 2, in which you once walked, every one of us, following the course of this world. It gets worse, following the prince of the power of the air following the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Listen, I can't look down my sanctified, righteous, self-righteous nose and think that I was any better, any different than everybody else. It was... We all live that way. But God's grace and mercy, listen to me, God's grace and mercy, look what happened. We were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And surely, surely we can all know that that's what we were doing. We were just satisfying the desires of the flesh and the desires of our mind. And that's where most of the world's at today. Carrying out the desires of the body and mind and we're by nature children of wrath. Y'all know where we were headed? We were headed for the hot wrath of God. But look at verse verse 4. And everybody said amen. What's it say there? But you? No, but who? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. You remember how he loved Jerusalem? You remember how he had compassion and concern for them? He loved us like that. Because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Then we can repent, and then we were made willing by an almighty work of God. And he goes on to explain that right here. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him and seated was us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? We're all sitting right here. Maranatha Baptist Church on the 26th day of March in Nashville, Arkansas. We're already sitting right here. But you know where God sees us? He sees us in heaven with Him. Positionally, we're not there. But that's where He sees us. That's where we're headed. Does that know what that says? Let me read that again and raised us up with Him, and seated us with who? Him, where? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what you get when you're in Christ. Verse 7, So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, just Paul just goes ahead expounding upon this great doctrine of mercy and grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace beyond doubt is irresistible, but let us never forget That the Bible speaks clearly that all men are responsible. You were not willing. Acts 7.51 You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So let us understand that the ruin of those who are lost is not because Christ was not willing to save them. Did He want to save Jerusalem? Did He want to save Jerusalem? As bad as a hen wants to protect her chicks? The reason that people are not saved is that they will not come to Christ. The Puritans and I couldn't come up with with anybody other than Spurgeon, has said, If a man is eternally ruined, it is his own fault. They were not willing. Are you listening closely? If a man is eternally ruined, it is his own fault. And if a man is eternally saved, it's all of God. Glory to God. None of us would have been saved without God Almighty and His mercy and grace poured out towards us. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Let me, let me, let me just encourage you p- parents. Pray for your kids and your grandkids that they'd be willing. Are you all with me? Matter of fact, encourage them to be made willing. Encourage them to... to to stir up themselves and read God's Word and you pray for them, that God would make them willing to become followers of Jesus. Christ wants to save people, but they will not come. They do not want to be saved. Let it be settled and pure and sure. If people are lost, it's wholly their own fault. You were not willing John three nineteen, right before, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right before that, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. You know why people were not willing? They loved their evil deeds. There, there's a, there's a, I, I believe it's a psalm that let me not take part with with people's wicked with wicked people to take part in their evil deeds you know we can love evil it, sometimes it so feeds the flesh we don't want to go there we don't want to love evil <laughs> the evil that is in us is our own the good if we have any is all the Lord. Amen? While mysterious, if they are saved, it's because God wrought a miracle in their lives, and if they're forever lost, it's because they were not willing to come. The saved in the next world will give God all the glory. Listen to this closely the lost in the next world will find out that they were destroyed for eternity by their unwillingness to come. So turn in your Bibles to Mark 1, 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Let me ask you. Today... You've never come to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation. Today, would you be willing to come? Would today be the day that you publicly state that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that you're willing to repent of your sins and turn to faith in God Almighty? Would you be willing to do that today? Would today be the day of your salvation? So let me read Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So the gospel of God, that's one thing, right? And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here's the gospel of God. The gospel of God is this. I'm a sinner, and if I'm a sinner, I need a sacrifice. I need a Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ is my sacrifice and is my Savior. The gospel of God is I'm a sinner. And we'll remember all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve ate of the tree. God provided for them garments of skin, He provided for them a sacrifice. They had sinned, so they needed a sacrifice. Now, do you know that all you can offer to the salvation process is your sins? I'm a sinner. That's all I contribute. Are you willing to admit that to God? I'm a sinner. Because I'm a sinner, I've lied, I've thieved, I've committed adultery, whatever the the cause might be, I've sinned. That's the bad part of the gospel. The good part of the gospel is God Almighty provided the perfect sacrifice for us. His Son, Jesus Christ, came, lived the perfect life, became the perfect sacrifice and died on the cross for my sins. Bad news, I'm a sinner. Good news, Christ is the Savior. So what is required of you? pretty clear verse 15 the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand you know what that means for you that have never trusted in Christ for your forgiveness and your salvation when you trust in Christ for your forgiveness and your salvation you enter into the kingdom of God you 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 have officially exited the kingdom of the world and kingdom of the devil and stepped into the kingdom of God it's right here that kingdom is right here what's required Verse 15. The kingdom is God is hand. Repent. It is a requirement that you acknowledge you have to make a change of direction, and there's some known and willful sins that you've been doing that you're going to have to quit. It's a requirement. For us men. We're going to have to quit going our direction, and because of what Christ did on the cross two thousand years ago, we've got to now be willing to every morning of the rest of our life to say, "God Almighty, today I want to go Your way." That's a change of direction. That's a change of mind. That's a change of attitude. There's there's sins I've been I've been doing, you know, and it might not be lying, thieving, and and stealing and sleeping around may not be yours, but maybe you're a gossip, maybe you're a busybody, maybe you slander people all the time. You know, it doesn't have to be those three big ones that I talked about. But there's some things that you have been comfortable in doing that you're going to have to turn from. Why? Because all of those sins is what killed Christ. Repent. And believe the gospel. I have no hope in saving myself, but I'm putting all my hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He accomplished in His life and what He accomplished in His death on the cross, what He did. That's what I'm putting my faith, hope, trust, and confidence in. And I'm not going to the back this morning. Tom's going to come and I'm going to sit down right here on the steps. And if you've never made a public profession and that's something you want to do, if you want to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ in public baptism, I want to talk to you today. We're not going to baptize you today, but we can start that process. So Tom, you come to conclude.